Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable from Lisbon. I am in Portugal this week. I am celebrating my birthday, which was Sunday. Thank you so much for all of your birthday wishes. I saw them. I'm taking just a tiny social media break. I've been posting in stories, but not on my main page. I just, I don't know. I just need a little break. The commentary last week after I did the uh, the post about Kiki Palmer, like it went viral. I mean, I guess, does 100,000 even count as viral anymore? I feel like the number has gone up. But like everyone and their mother read that post. It started off like really positive, but then people who disagree can't just say they disagree. It becomes all these like, you know, personal attacks about everything. And I was like, yeah, I don't feel like engaging. Like I, I just, I really don't care that much. One word of note though, when I talk about having relationships or dating or, or anything like that, I just want to clarify that I got married when I was 35. I had dated a bunch before that, like that whole decade of my 20s. And I've also been divorced for five years. And I don't necessarily talk about the in-depth of my dating or relationships, especially post-divorce, just because I don't want people in my business like that. But when I speak about relationships or dating, like my ex-husband is not my only point of reference. So everything that I speak about doesn't necessarily mean it's him. People just sort of like assume. And I've also heard that people say shit to him about what I say. And I'm like, unless I specifically say that it's about him, it probably ain't about him. I understand at this point that I'm a public figure and sometimes people either want to be messy because I think that's really what it is. But other times I think people want feel like protective. Leave that man be, please. Thank you. I'm trying to take the Anita Baker approach. Remember she was like, baby face, call off your people. This is my attempt to call off people. Like, leave him alone. But Lisbon is dope. It's a hella black out here, which I totally didn't expect. Even though I should have because I was told it was black. And I was like, oh, it's Europe. How black could it be? But then it's also Portugal, which, you know, exported, exported, <laughs> kidnapped more Africans from the West Coast of Africa than anybody else and then shipped them around the world. They stole more black people than the U.S. And slavery went longer there than it did in the U.S. I don't think they abolished slavery until like the 1880s. The point is Portugal stole all them black people. And they took a bunch to Brazil, but they also brought a bunch to Portugal and all their descendants are sitting up over here looking exactly like us. Like I've been walking around Lisbon and people come up to me talking all the time. I don't speak Portuguese. I speak Spanish so I can read Portuguese, kind of. 
Like when I go to museums, like I can read the captions next to the art, but I can't speak it. But people come up to me just like chatting away and I'm just like, ooh, sorry. And they look at me crazy like, what do you mean you don't understand? Like, of course you speak Portuguese. And I'm like, I, no, Americana. But they got big fluffy hair over here too, well moisturized, well cut. I actually do want to find a black hair salon while I'm here and see if I can get a proper cut because I haven't had my hair cut in almost a year. I've dusted up my ends, but I'm long overdue for a proper cut. Like I can see it now that my hair is out because usually it's braided up. It doesn't look bad, but it could use a, a professional's touch. But all this big, fluffy, well-moisturized hair, like these curls are crisp and popping, fluffy, moves with wind, but also not like 3A silky. Like it's a lot of 3C, 4A happening over here, but it's still moving. Beautiful hair over here. Beautiful. Tightly coiled. It's lovely. Um, but Lisbon's dope. I didn't plan out this trip right. I've been doing dope things, but like, <laughs> there's just been a lot of hiccups. Like my birthday was just, just okay. I was happy to be in Portugal. I had a great morning. It was off to a great start. I went actually outside the city. I think I actually enjoy going outside the city more than I actually do being in Lisbon proper, but that's a whole separate story. I specifically wanted to work out on this path along the water. It has like two really big monuments. So I started off my birthday morning with that. And then there's this really beautiful monastery that's right in the same area. So I went over to the monastery. All that was great. Here's where it starts to go left. I get on the tram to come back to Lisbon proper. I took the train out. I was like, oh, the tram is right here, right outside the monastery. I'll just take that because it should go straight line back to where I'm staying, at least according to my inner GPS and then also Google. So I get on the tram and then I go the wrong way. And I realize it immediately because I have my Google Maps pulled up. But the next stop just looks kind of sketchy. So I didn't get off. I waited until the stop after it, which seemed normal. So I wait forever for a bus. The bus finally came and then it terminates four stops later. So I wait for the next bus and then that bus comes and it terminates in two stops. And then I wait for the next bus and that bus pulls up and was like, yeah, we're not taking any passengers. And I don't speak Portuguese, so I don't understand exactly what's happening. But I realize I'm a 25-minute walk from my hotel. It's hot as hell out. There's a couple places along the way that I wanted to check out. So I was like, all right, we'll just make it into an adventure. At least I'll get to see some other places. The issue was, and I only know this because I ran into it, there was a massive biking marathon, thousands of people. And so the bikers had shut down all the city streets. And I only know this because I try to walk back to the hotel and I literally cannot cross the street because there are thousands of bikers going by. <sighs> it just took forever to get back to the hotel. I thought I was going to be back by 11. I didn't make it back till 2. I found the timeout Lisbon. You know, timeout has those markets now, like food halls, essentially. They have, there's one in New York for sure. I don't know where else they are in the States, but Lisbon was the first one. So it's massive and it has really good food. I stopped at some Italian spot just because I saw like the chef was black and I was like, all right, let's see what's going on here. Great food. Amazing sangria. Across the board, Lisbon has amazing sangria. But then I made it back to the hotel and I was just like exhausted from walking and being hot. And I was just like, I don't really have real plans. I was like, you know what? Let me just go ahead and, and actually quote and unquote work is what popped in my head. 
I um, I've been planning this move to Paris for the end of summer. I think I mentioned it on here a while ago, but I never actually put it into motion other than going back to Paris and, and double checking the neighborhoods that I, th- I thought I might want to live in, but I hadn't actually pulled the trigger. So I was like, let me go ahead and do that. So I figured out all the logistics and found a place to stay and bought a flight so I can get all my stuff over there. So yeah, Paris is officially a go. And then I figured out how to get back to the States and then how to get to Ghana. I took care of like the rest of my life on my birthday. That's got to count for something. And then I felt like, you know, a waste of a day sitting in my hotel room working on my birthday. I mean, working on personal stuff, but work nonetheless. Sitting at a laptop for a few hours, like trying to figure out logistics. I was just going to order room service. And I was like, no, it's your birthday. Like you have to like go out. There's this really cute restaurant. Like Lisbon is right on the water and across the water. I guess it's like an island. You have to take a ferry to get there. And there's this really cute restaurant that's known for its sunsets. I figured I'd go over there and I'd get like at least a sundowner and it's local food. So I was like, oh, you know, it'll be the whole experience. When I got there, everyone and their mother was there. The restaurant only opened at seven. I got there at 730 and the guy was like, oh no, lady, we are closed for the day. And I was like, what do you mean closed? Like after these people that got here at seven, get up, like I can't sit. And he was like, oh no, we only do one feeding at seven every day. So people can watch the sunset and then like everybody leaves. And I was like, are you kidding me? So I watched the sunset, which was beautiful. And then I walked back to the ferry. And once I got back on my side, like I had a backup restaurant and I just didn't feel like it. So I was like, yeah, I just got a glass of sangria when I came back from my hotel. It had a bunch of fruit in it. So like I considered that my sweet birthday dessert treat. And then I just went to bed. Like I was just over it. That was Sunday. You think that was a shit show? (laughs) I woke up late, which I guess because of the sangria, I didn't think it was that strong. Like I drank it and I felt nothing. And then I was tired. So I went to sleep. But I woke up mad late the next day. I usually wake up like 7.30, 8.30 in the morning. Like as I'm recording this right now, it's 4.30. I'm just up. But there was a, you know how I like those like fancy houses from like the turn of the 19th century, like all that Gilded Age type stuff. They had their own version of the Gilded Age here. And there's tons of palaces in Portugal. There was one in particular that I wanted to see. It's not the most popular one, but it's beautiful. It took me forever to get out there. Like I was waiting on this bus that never came. So I had to go this alternate route. I get there at say like 12.05 and there's nobody at the front desk. There's a couple other people walking around looking confused. There's a sign that says the the ticket sale office is closed from 12 to 1, but there's a machine where you can buy your tickets. Okay, great. The machine doesn't work. So we go to the security and was like, hey, the machine doesn't work and there's nobody at the front desk to buy tickets. And they were like, oh, go online. The online site is not working. So we were like, okay, well, we're here and like, they're not going to be back till 1. So what do we do in the meantime? And they just looked at us and was like, wait. Okay. There was a little restaurant maybe a few minutes away, literally no more than five, that I saw when I was coming in. So I walked back to the restaurant and I was like, I didn't get anything to eat. I didn't get breakfast at the hotel. I was like, let me stop and grab something. Had a little sandwich wrap with some chips, had a caparina. So then I go to pay and they're like, mm, we don't take cards. Mm, I don't have cash because no one accepts cash in Europe. For that matter, London. I mean, you can offer it, but nine times out of 10, places will be like, no, we're cashless. 
So I stopped even exchanging money because it didn't make any sense. Every time I would try to pull out cash, people would look at me crazy. Even to buy like a bottle of water, people would be like, no, and hand me the card machine. So I stopped carrying cash. These people don't take cards. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? In broken English, they give me directions to an ATM. Fine, I'm not a Lannister, but I always pay my debts. I walk 10 minutes back to the main road to find an ATM. The ATM doesn't accept international cards. They'll tell me what my balance is, though. That doesn't help me. So I have to walk around, find another ATM. I find a Western Union. And then that guy actually gave me directions to an international bank. By the way, it's hot as fuck outside. It's like 90 degrees. And I'm marching around trying to find an ATM. It takes 30 minutes to find an ATM. I have to walk 10 minutes back to the place. I pay them. I am hot. I am sweaty. I look crazy. My hair has fluffed because of the heat and the humidity. I go back to the museum, I buy a ticket, I walk into the first room, beautiful, absolutely breathtakingly gorgeous. And I was like, whew, the day has turned around. I have weathered the storm or the heat, all is well. So I go through the museum. Most places that I've been to that are this elaborate don't allow you to take pictures and certainly not videos. This place was like, do what you want. Just don't touch anything. Okay, sure. And it's so gorgeous, but it's not like the big tourist attraction in the area. So it's like damn near empty. When I say damn near empty, I mean like it's like five people. There's more guards and security than there are tourists. So I'm just walking through, taking all these pictures and video. I'm getting all the shots. You know how I feel about stuff like this. Like I am in heaven. After I finished the museum... It has these beautiful gardens in the back. One of them is this gorgeous pool. I think to call it that is probably like inaccurate. It's, it's, it's narrow, but it's like Olympic size. Like it stretches on forever. And it's all like this gorgeous tile work. It's absolutely amazing. So I have like this little selfie stick that I, that I travel with sometimes. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a picture in front of this house. And it's got all the bendy parts and everything. It's super secure. I've used this thing for years. I take a selfie. It's really cute, but I feel like we could do better. I push the button to take another selfie. I've got it on a timer. This gust of wind comes out of nowhere and knocks my phone and the selfie stick down. It falls on stone ground. It completely shatters my screen. That's okay. Phone still works. I can get the screen replaced when I get back to London, not the end of the world. Still take pictures, still have my internet, my Uber and my Google Maps, most importantly, because that'll get me around Portugal and every place that I need to go. And the selfie actually came out cute too. These things happen. Phone is fine. I go to take another picture of something and the phone cuts off and now it won't come back on. And like I have the backup charger with me. I always have a backup charger. The charger's not charging. Like, it's charged, but it's not charging the phone. This mofo won't come on. I wait 20 minutes with the phone on the charger. This yellow line and two dots appear on my phone screen. My phone is dead, dead. Like, dead, dead, dead. I'm like, how the fuck am I supposed to get back to Lisbon? I took a commuter train, and then I took a bus, and I took an alternate bus than the bus that I planned to take because the bus that I was waiting for didn't come. And I don't really remember the stop that I got on at. I don't remember the name of the train station. 
I just remember the original train station that's in Lisbon. And I'm like, I am fucked. Can't remember the name of my hotel. I've been in four hotels in the last, what, two weeks because I've been in four different countries in the last two weeks. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? All this stuff is in my phone. I have a whole itinerary written out in notes. So if I can just pull it up in notes, I don't have to search through my phone to find stuff. Or it just comes up in Uber or or Google Maps or any of the other apps that I use to search everything. I'm like, you are kidding me. I was like, hello, God. It's me, Demetria. I'm out here somewhere like an hour outside Lisbon. I'm not really even sure the name of the town, but... I got to get back to Lisbon and I don't have a phone. I need some assistance. I'm calling God like he's triple (laughs) A. My thought was that I could get God to like turn my phone on. This is what I'm thinking. I was like, God, I just need a little assistance. If you could just give me like five minutes of power and figure out how to get back to the main train station. And I know how to walk back to my hotel from the train station. Put my phone in my purse. I was like, God will take care of it. No need to worry. Put my phone in my purse. And went into the gardens and kept looking around. Like, I can't take pictures, but like, I can still see it. I want to enjoy the moment. The phone died before I got to like the absolutely epically beautiful shit. And I was like, are you kidding me? I reach in my purse. I just know my phone is coming back on because like my phone can't actually die. (sighs) Phone ain't on. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I go stand in the shade. I was like, hey, God, (laughs) it's me again. I I know you're busy. I know there's so much going on. I know there's bigger fish to fry. However, I'm out here roasting in this Portugal sun. It's hot as hell. I don't know how to get back. I need this phone to turn on. I know, God, that you did not bring me this far to drop me off here. I know you didn't. I have faith. I have faith. Even in this moment, I have faith. I need you to get me back home. Can you get get to it, please? Thank you kindly. I'm just going to keep walking around these gardens. I see a sign for like a fountain. It's like a fountain slash waterfall situation. And I can see it in the distance. Like it's a massive structure. And I was like, all right, well, you know, I'll walk through the gardens and I'll go to the waterfall. And by the time I see the waterfall and then I've seen probably the rest of the gardens, I should be ready to go. And God will, you know, figure out something to get me back. Like, Just based on what's available to me, I have 80 euros in cash. I have a debit card. I'll be able to figure out something. I know the number of the bus that I was supposed to take out here. I'd seen that bus go by when I was having lunch. I just got to find that bus stop and take the bus in the correct direction. And I got to figure out how to do this because I'm far out from the city and everybody's not speaking English fluently or at all this far out. I can figure this out. It's just going to be frustrating as fuck, but I'll get back and I'll be safe. I'm not worried about that. I'm just worried about getting back. I go walk up to essentially a statue. They called it a fountain, a waterfall, but ain't no water on. And there's this white dude 
like super white. He's mega blonde, tall white dude, runner's body. I notice him when I walk up just because it's me and him standing out there and then nobody else. It's just nobody here. I just assume the guy doesn't speak English because I'm not in an English speaking country. He's standing there looking at what's supposed to be a waterfall and and he looks really unimpressed. And he says something. I don't remember what it was. It was something about the waterfall. And we strike up this conversation. He's an antiques dealer. He loves coming to like these old houses. Like he lives for all the antiques. So he's telling me all this stuff. And he was like, you know what? I'm having dinner tonight at XYZ. I have reservations for one. He was like, I'm sure they can accommodate two. Would you like to have dinner with me? And I was like, actually, I would. But unfortunately, I can't. Because, well, my phone died and not as in like charger, but in like as in dead. I have to figure out how to get back to the city. And then also I have to like find an Apple store and fix my phone. And it's just, you know, I probably am not going to be able to like fix this in time for dinner. So he was like, well, I can help. I can at least get you back to the city. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, it's fine. I'm just going to like figure out the bus. And he was like, I took an Uber out here. He was like, I'm taking one back and I'm going to the city. I can't be that far from you. He was like, just hop in the Uber with me and go back. In the moment, I think about this this line or this story, actually, that Julia Roberts tells in Eat, Pray, Love. Eat, Pray, Love is one of my favorite movies. I've watched that movie 50 million times. But there's a scene in the movie where Julia Roberts is talking about this guy who needed help. He was praying to God for help. I can't remember the exact story. The guy needs help. He prayed to God. He said, God, help me. And this person appears and says, hey, do you need help? I can help you. And the guy's like, no, 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 no. I'm waiting on God. And then another person appears and is like, hey, I have X. I can help you. And the guy says, no, 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 no. I'm waiting on God. A third person appears. He says, hey, you need help. I can help. The guy says, no, 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 no. I'm waiting on God. God never comes. The guy dies. He gets to heaven. He says to God, hey, I called on you. Clearly, I'm a good person because I've made it to heaven. You didn't answer. And God was like, yo, I sent three different people to help you and you told them no. I was like, did God just send this white man to help me? (laughs) Like if dude had showed up and was like, hey, I drove and I could just drive you back to the city. I'd be like, nah, man, I'm not getting in the car with a stranger, like stranger danger. I'll just take my odds with the buses. But I was like, I mean... It's not like I wouldn't have called an Uber anyway. I was like, actually, that's very kind of you. I greatly appreciate it. And I was like, but here's the issue. I can't remember the name of my hotel. Everything is in my phone. He hands me the phone and was like, Google it and then just call the Uber. Cool. So that's what I did. The Uber came nine minutes later. I had a great conversation with this guy. He's like an antiques dealer, yes, but also like a professional marathon runner. And I mean, like professional as in he was telling me about this training camp in the Thailand forest that he went to for three months and then like ate vegan the whole time and trained to run like twice a day. He showed me pictures of it. It's this whole state of the art training facility in the middle of the forest. And I was like, the fuck? Really cool guy. He set it up to drop himself off first. So it wasn't even like a creeper situation where like we go to my hotel and then he tries to like come in the hotel with me or or anything like that. The Uber pulled up and he got out and and he gave me a hug goodbye and was like, you know, I hope everything works out. Um, We exchanged numbers and then, you know, he walked off.
And like, I watch him walk off for a little bit and the car is just sitting there. I look at the driver, like, you know, like, are we going? And the driver's looking at me like, you're not going after him? You gonna let that get away? I was like, can we go now? I'm focused on the phone. I got back to my hotel. There was an Apple store six minutes away. I paid a small fortune in euros. At least I get that back. That's half the battle. But I have a new phone that works. The old phone won't come on for shit. The cloud was last updated on Sunday night. So all the pictures that I took, the beautiful pictures, the beautiful video that I took of the museum and the gardens and even the selfie, the one that cost me my goddamn phone, it's all locked on the old phone. It didn't transfer to the new phone, but everything else is. But I upgraded my phone. I'm on an iPhone 14 now. The camera is fucking amazing. Why didn't y'all tell me that? I thought my 13 had a good camera. Like this camera, I don't even really need to carry my Nikon like I do anyway. But good Lord. And the night camera. Oh, my God. If you follow along for the adventures on social media, like the videos are insane. It's like being right there. It's like 4K. It's amazing. But yeah, that's been Lisbon so far. And then yesterday I got up and went to like another set of castles. There's like a super, super famous one called Pena Palace, which is, it looks like a children's art project in pictures. It's like red, yellow, and then blue tiles. Blue tiles are a very famous Portuguese um, sort of decoration. It looks as disjointed in person as it sounds as a description. But I've seen the pictures online and it's super, super famous. Of all the castles I went to see yesterday, it was the most crowded. It was the most expensive. It was the most inconvenient to get to. And I was like, well, there's got to be something that I'm missing because everyone talks about how great this palace is. And I got there and I was like, this place needs to be power washed. It's dirty. It's super crowded. It's hot. It's like on a mountain in direct sun. I was like, this is my least favorite palace. Everything else, absolutely gorgeous. Grounds, gorgeous. 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 Palace. Because all this stuff is from like 1700s, 1800s. I expected to have some wear and tear. But everything else had been like much better maintained. I was so mad at that last palace. And I had to stand in the hot ass sun in a bunch of lines in order to get into it and then to get through it. I was so angry. But the other palaces, breathtaking. One of the reasons that I love travel is that first moment when you see something that you've seen in pictures and it's 10 times better in person or you've seen a bunch of pictures of something because you've researched it and then you get there and then you see it has a ton of things that you never even saw pictures of the most beautiful things about it are not even shown online or at least I didn't find them in my research but I had that experience at the three other castles beautiful glorious like just oh I love that feeling That's what makes all the headaches like dropping your phone and being lost in the middle of nowhere or not realizing that there's an unofficial siesta in Portugal and nothing happens between 12 and 1 or waiting for a bus that never comes. It's all part of the travel experience, not complaining, just acknowledging. But those moments where you see something so beautiful that you gasp or your heart skips a beat, like it makes all the bullshit worth it. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. 
As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. We have good black news this week. I have a small list. I saw Naomi Osaka had the baby. Both mother and child are doing well, according to People Magazine. She had a little girl. So good for her. Congratulations to she and her boyfriend, Corday. They are the proud new parents of a bouncing baby girl. I saw their Jamie Foxx sightings. I have been deeply worried about that man. I think I've expressed that a couple times. I tried not to harp on it because there wasn't new information. And also, his daughter had asked for privacy for the family while they dealt with her father's health issue. She spoke up once about all the speculation. And she was like, basically, like, we're dealing with some shit. And this is a real issue And he's really my father. And there are really people who do care about him. So all these speculations about his health, because people said crazy things. I just wanted to leave that alone. I think from daughter to daughter, like listening to a girl make a plea on behalf of her, who we thought ailing father. I mean, at one time he was ailing. However, Jamie Foxx was spotted and it's fucked up. Somebody took video of him. And I was like, being that level of famous has got to be a pain in the ass. But there was video of him out and about. He appeared to be in a store. He looked like he felt good. He looked fine. He didn't look incapacitated at all. He looked healthy, which good. That's all I want. There was also a video of him on a yacht or at least on a boat. He was out getting some fresh air. He was on the boat. Somebody recognized him. He was waving. So I was like, oh, he's in good spirits. He looked good. He looked healthy. I didn't realize how much I love Jamie Foxx until Jamie Foxx got sick. And I was like, oh my God, Jamie Foxx. I really have like deep visceral feelings for Jamie Foxx. Who knew? What else is good news? Oh, your girl, Kiki Palmer. Kiki. She's on the cover of the Cut magazine. Somebody sent it to me and I was like, there's no way in hell they pulled this together. After the viral moment with Usher and then after her child's father reacted online. In fact, they didn't. They were already doing a cover story on her. News of her child's father reacting to the video of her and Usher. The news broke while she was being photographed and interviewed for The Cut magazine. It's literally the second paragraph of the article where they talk about it. In journalism, we call it the nut graph. It's the graph, usually within the first four graphs, that explains why you're writing the article but basically what the news hook is. So for instance, all the stories on Issa Rae right now, it's because she's in the new Barbie film. It's the why now, essentially. So the cut had to change their why now because obviously they were going to do this story on her. And the idea was that she's America's sweetheart or the internet sweetheart, which agreed. 
But because this huge news story happened while they're in the process of writing the article or on set with her, they have to address it somehow. They didn't actually interview her about that moment, even though she might have been on set when it happened. Um, They specifically say that she hadn't reacted to his tweets while she was on set. But they try to sneak in this quote that makes it look like they did interview her about it. It's a little deceptive because I only think other journalists would catch it. Like they give a recap of what happened. And then right after that, they include this quote where the journalist had asked Kiki about her headspace. The recap and the quote are positioned in such a way that it seems like Kiki is directly answering questions about the tweets, but she's not. And it's not laid out clearly for the reader that she's asking her a general question. It seems like she's specifically asking about how is your headspace after your child's father has tweeted about you and it's blown up online. She asked her in general, how was her headspace? Kiki says absolutely nothing about the incident. But in terms of her headspace, she says, I'll be honest, I think before I even had the baby, I was really actually quite self-conscious. She says, after having my baby, I've gotten so much more powerful. We're going to lean into this new body. And I think that is the whole aura of what's happening with me in this Big Boss era. Her latest project is called Big Boss. Ma'am will promote her shit. She continues, I've come into my 30s and I have my baby boy. And I'm just continuing to spread my wings as a young woman. It's a really good read. She is just very likable. I mean, I don't need to tell you this. It's not like we don't all know who Kiki Palmer is. But she just has like a really good head on her shoulders. And she knows how we feel about her, which actually makes me really happy inside. She says, um, quote, I do feel like America's little sister, little cousin. I feel very much so related to everybody. I'm like that second cousin that you see every two years at the family reunion. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. She has an accurate assessment of how she's viewed. These pictures of her, definitely worth checking out the cut. She looks like a grown-up Kiki. And I know she's been grown up for a while. Like, she has, like, a whole baby. She's very much entirely grown. But she's still, you know, like she said, little cousin, second cousin, little sister. She's a really beautiful young woman. And these pictures do her absolute justice. Like, she looks really, really, really beautiful. I'm very happy for her. I think getting the cover of the cut is a big deal, like, as a writer and just also as, you know, as someone who talks about pop culture and what's in the zeitgeist for a living, the cut is a really big deal. I hate that this big moment for her, that these gorgeous pictures for her, this cover story for her, includes the drama with her kid's father. It takes none of her shine. I, I hate that, and not even just for this story, I hate that this drama is now part of her story. Because she's made it to 29 I said this in um, that recap that I did of her online. And I also said it in a previous episode when we talked about Kiki. She's been famous forever. I think before I kept saying she's been famous since 11. She's been famous since she was 10. She's been famous for 19 whole years in the public eye. We made it through her teenage years and her early 20s and her mid 20s, which, you know, is usually times of a lot of, you know, change, drama for a lot of people. Definitely for me, 
But we made it through those years with with no real even hiccups from her. All she was really known for is keeping a damn job. Beautiful girl, bunch of personality, always working, always finding herself somewhere, doing something epic, making good money without embarrassing herself. And then, you know, this happened. She gets the cover of The Cut, which should have been a very clean story that focused on her new business ventures. And instead, the second paragraph is about some petty internet drama that her ex started. I just, I hate that for her. The good news is in five years, nobody will care. It'll be a blip on the radar. Whether she stays with him or goes, like as big a news story as his tweets, his commentary turned into is really not that big. You know how we on here, we'll talk about stuff people do and be like, look, like, is this drama or is this scandal? Like, was everyone of age? Was everyone consenting? Was any crime committed? Well, then there's not much of a news story here. I think the story with Kiki went viral because it just hits on, well, it hits on women's independence, to be quite honest. And anything that has to do with women acting outside of very narrow guidelines, very traditional guidelines of what's acceptable for women, it's always a hot button topic in our culture. Women being free, acting free, always ignites a lot of conversation. And that was the undertone of all of that. It's like she's not behaving as a mother should. And then also stepping outside of, I guess, how you're supposed to behave as a girlfriend. So she's quote unquote violating two roles at once. It's very interesting to me how Usher got out of this completely unscathed. Usher's in a whole relationship. Like he's in a similar situation as Kiki. He's not married, but he's in a relationship with the mother of his two children. Usher has been on stage wooing every celebrity woman has come his way. Like he's all up into Raji's face. Like they had a full moment. I think there was another moment with Tiffany Haddish, full moment. Obviously the moment with Kiki, there was a moment with Jasmine Sullivan at the Roots picnic. Usher is out here wooing and flirting and just being a, a, an overall menace. No one said shit to Usher. Like you're a whole father. Why are you out here flirting with all these women? Why are you embarrassing your girlfriend? Like, people accept it. Like, oh, it's entertainment. Usher's putting on a show. Kiki was entertaining, too. That was a whole performance they put on for the audience. Folks were supposed to watch and enjoy, not, you know. This is one of those things that I hope in, in more enlightened years, if we ever get there, that people look back on and be like, what was the big deal? Like, why did people care? I don't get it. Now we watch Bridgerton and be like, so she was alone with a man. So now she got to marry that man because they were alone together. Like, are you crazy? I mean, it was a thing at the time. We've since evolved, kind of, sort of. I was telling somebody the other day how I was watching. What's the show we talked about? The Empress on Netflix. And the core conflict is this very free type chick marries into the royal family and then they have all these like rules and regulations of how she's supposed to behave as a woman, as queen specifically. And she bristles against all of them. And it just causes a mess all the time because she just basically won't act as she's supposed to. And the show is based on reality. But it's interesting watching the show because so many of the things that they tell her that like this is a woman's role. This is what a woman must do. It's a show about the 1800s in Vienna. And it's kind of like the same shit now. Like, we think we've evolved a lot. We haven't. 
Like we might not have women in burqa, but we very much feel comfortable telling women that they should cover and it's enforced very, very strictly by society. You see what happens like with Kiki, when you don't play by the quote and unquote rules, there's a huge pushback, push you into your little box and tell you this is how much you're allowed to do. And if you don't adhere, there will be consequences. <sighs> I swear of all the controversial shit that I say and write and have done over the years, like I can easily see the pattern at this point. Anytime I talk about women being free or having the right to do what they want, the pushback is so massive. Not just from men either, from women too. A word about Jonas Hill. I never really paid attention to him. I was like, the guy from, what was the movie with Eddie Murphy and Nia Long and Lauren London? He's probably the most famous after Eddie Murphy. And he was the EP on the film, I believe. Or one of them. He might have been a writer. He's a major star. I had no idea who this man is. I was like, who? I had to go look at pictures. And I was like, oh, the boyfriend from the movie on Netflix with the famous black people. (laughs) His girlfriend recently released text messages that the two of them had shared. She screenshotted a few and put them online. And then she gave all of the text messages to Newsweek, and they ran them in their entirety. She accuses Jonas of being emotionally abusive to her. She says she shared the text because it's an abuse situation, and so it's fine and it's valid. This is the ex-girlfriend. His current girlfriend just had a baby. She said she waited until the woman gave birth so that she wouldn't have any like mental or emotional side effects that would harm the baby. But she said that she wanted to get this off her chest. And so she released the text. In general, I'm not a fan of screenshotting private text and sharing. You saw like with the woman who told me about what happened with the Essence bookstore situation, like her her personal situation with it. I asked her if I could share the text and I actually screenshotted that too and posted it because I didn't want people to think like D just out here screenshotting people's private shit. Like what else is about to come out? No, 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 no. Generally I'm against it. The only reason I'm not against it in this case is because I do think he was abusive. And I think if he was sexually abusive or physically abusive and she shared that, then people would, I mean, people would still say, why now? Because that happens every time. But I think there would be people who would be more understanding. I think emotional abuse is just as bad as other forms of abuse. Woman who was abused shares stories about her abuser. I, I don't feel comfortable saying that she should be silent, that she shouldn't talk about her abuse. Um, and if she's going to talk about the abuse, then I think it's all the better if she can back it up with some evidence. This story is interesting. People are talking about it. I have such a weird reaction to this. <laughs> the black in me is actually happy that these white folks have their own personal drama. Lest Kiki and her child's father be the face of relationship dysfunction. Which again, I hate that for Kiki. Because she just hasn't been involved in any drama. Like if she was the type of person that kept some shit going... Then I'd be like, well, okay, like this is just another in a long string. But I'm like, she's not that chick. Um, So I hate that her name is even tied up in nonsense. But I really do appreciate that like white people are out here looking crazy too. 
So it doesn't look like black relationship dynamics are just trash. No, relationship dynamics across the board. Everybody's acting a fucking fool. It's not just us. So I read, obviously, the text messages. She is a professional surfer who also teaches surfing. And from my understanding of how they met is he saw pictures of her on her IG page and slid into her DMs. And that's how they connected. At some point in their relationship, he sends her a text about his quote and unquote boundaries, which we'll discuss the difference between boundaries and rules. It's real basic. You don't have to be a therapist to know it. Boundaries are what you create for yourself. Rules are what you create for other people. But he sent her a list of what he called boundaries. He was like, I don't want you around other men. I don't want you around your friends who have like reckless past or reckless behavior unless it's, you know, something respectful like lunch or coffee. So basically don't go clubbing with your friends. He wanted her to remove all the pictures of her in a bathing suit. And she's like, I'm a professional surfer in order to post pictures of what I do for a living. I'm probably going to be in a bathing suit. And again, this is all stuff that... He met her, knew that she did, knew that she was a surfer, knew that she posted pictures of herself in bathing suits because he slid in her DMs, knew she had this certain set of friends. But it just read as like extremely toxic. Like you're telling her what she can and cannot wear. You're telling her who she can and cannot interact with, which could be a pretty standard one for some guys. But also like which girlfriends that she can and cannot interact with. And she clarified later that he was choosing which friends were okay for her to have. And she's young. She's like in her mid-20s. He's in his 30s. She bristled against a lot of it. She posted one text message where he specifically had asked her to take down all the pictures of her in swimsuits. She did go through and take down, I guess, some that were more racy. And then he went back and double-checked what was still there and was like, no, take them all down. Like, you shouldn't have any pictures in swimsuits. A surfer? Also, anyone, though. The internet had a very interesting reaction to it. Like, some people, like me, was like, this is fucking insane. You knew who she was when you met her. Unless there's been, like, some incident where she's left you feeling like she can't be trusted. Maybe there was some infidelity or something, and so now you're uncomfortable with her being around men because you don't trust her boundaries. But if there's been no incident, like, this sounds crazy. Unless one of her friends has done something that directly interferes with your relationship, she's been a menace in some way. I could see specifically singling out the friend that has been disruptive, but all of her friends, like everybody's got a wild, reckless past that she shouldn't be hanging out with. I don't know. It just seemed very controlling. Other people were like, well, no, he is creating boundaries. Like he's stating what he wants and blah, blah, blah. Like he's free to do that. And yeah, you can. You can, you can state what you want, but it gets to a point where you meet someone as they are, and then you're trying to change and rearrange them into a totally different person. Fundamentally, you don't like who you're with if you want to change massive things about how they do and who their friends are and how they post and what they wear and where they go. Like, you don't actually like that person. There's an idea in your head of the person that you want to have. And that's not the person that you're with. I also read all the text messages. I mean, as much as I could, like I scrolled through a lot of it. 
and when they're arguing, it's like talking in circles. Like it was just, it was so much. But these two broke up and then continued to stay in touch. Her version is five months later, he started dating someone else. And it was serious enough that a publication posted pictures of him and this other woman. And she was really upset by it because she was like, you know, we're not together, but we're still having these like emotionally intimate conversations and interactions and also sexting. He was like, it was months ago that we sexted. And then she screenshotted their most recent sex. And she was like, it was seven weeks ago. And then he freaked out and he was like, I feel very violated that you're screenshotting things that I've sent to you. And she was like, I'm screenshotting a conversation that we had with each other and reminding you of what you did. I'm not sending it to the public, which she did turn around and do. They both seem a little dysfunctional, to be quite honest with you. A lot of people break up but don't want to break the emotional ties because they're you know interdependent. They lingered on a little too long after they broke up. In addition to the controlling stuff that he tried to do in the relationship. But they both have some issues that they clearly need to work on. I would say his more than hers. But she's not fully in the clear on this either. Their relationship was really dysfunctional and they needed to break up. I'm glad they did. I hope he treats the new chick better than he treated her. And also, I'm glad that these white people out here looking crazy and dysfunctional too. I ain't want it just to be us. That's how I feel sometimes. I'm like, God damn, like, why are we the face of dysfunction? Other people are dysfunctional too. Exhibit A. That's today's episode. There's other stuff going on, but I don't care enough to talk about it because, you know, I don't. We'll be back probably on Friday. We'll see. Read between the lines. Okay. Talk soon. Bye.